0: Thank you. Thank you for your welcome. So lovely to see you all and see some familiar faces. I have to take my glasses off, because otherwise you're in the glare and I can't see anybody. But how lovely to see faces without masks. I can't tell you how nice that is, because I don't know if you're the same here, but this is the first week without masks. And and that's just such a joy. Um, It's quite scary how quickly the decades have gone I'm already back here. But when we were on the way here, I think this is what Nika was asking me to start with, um, we just felt the Lord was promising a new thing. And then it was so wonderful that we had that song about that. And um, uh, my lovely friend Inge, who's with me, had a sense that there might be some of us who feel we're beyond having a new thing. And God says that you're not beyond having a new thing, that he's got new things for us. So um, I am thrilled to be with you as I have been praying about tonight. Um, Nico gave me a free reign, and I felt that I should share with you on the grace of God. And our reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm just gonna read a couple of verses out from that. God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Should we pray together? Father, I'm aware I come in weakness tonight. And I thank you so much that it's about you, Lord. It's about your presence. Thank you for the sense of your presence in this place. And we invite you, Jesus, to come with your power and to speak to each one of us tonight. Amen. Um, Last week, I attended a funeral, and it was an extraordinary funeral, of somebody who had died quite young at the age of 51. And she was the sister of a friend of mine and the daughter of a friend of mine. And um, like all funerals, there were moments that it was sad, but the glory of God was in the church and the family really knew Jesus. And the service ended with uh, this, um, their favorite song, actually. It was her favorite song by Stormzy. I don't know if you know it, Blinded by Your Grace. And that's the plan, that we would live a life that is so overwhelmed by the grace of God, that that's... All that we could think of. It summed her up, but isn't that the plan that we would be those whose lives are so marked by the grace of God? Paul said, and this was this was his linchpin verse, if you like, God said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your Weakness, which is to say God is for you and His grace is enough for you. We're going to unpack that together because without the grace of God, you cannot know God. So, what is biblical grace? Because you know, grace is one of those words that gets thrown around in churches and Sometimes you've heard it so much that you actually don't even think about what it means. I want you to think, have you ever received an unexpected, undeserved gift? Have a, raise a hand if you've ever received an unexpected, undeserved gift. Grace is unexpectedly undeserved gift. And ultimately, all that we have that is good is a gift of grace your existence you don't actually deserve to be created with love just take a breath you don't deserve to take your next breath it's just a gift of love from God and we're going to look tonight at two aspects of God's grace God's grace to forgive you, sheer gift, and God's grace to empower you to live this life. And don't we need that help? And I'm just going to have a moment of quiet now and just ask God to be revealing that as we're together. And I'd encourage you to ask the Lord to show you something more of the reality of his grace tonight. So Father, we ask you tonight would you come by your spirit of revelation and show us your grace show us your grace for us amen so first God's grace to forgive because without that we cannot draw near to God and I was trying to think of an example of this and I was remembering when I um, went to I had a good friend of ours round to lunch, and he had just got a brand new iPhone. And he was very proud of his iPhone. And he handed me the iPhone across the table, across this really lush, beautiful carrot cake with really, really thick icing. And I reached out to take the, the, the iPhone, and I just let go. Somehow, I have no idea what happened. I had it in my hand, and it just slipped beautifully, immersively into the icing. And do you know how you've got that kind of charger bit at the bottom of a phone? It was just absolutely full of icing. And he was so gracious right from the start. I just knew he wasn't going to hold it against me. I knew he wasn't going to make me pay for his beloved new iPhone. And that's a very little picture. But God's forgiveness doesn't make us pay for our sins. And you know how you can make somebody pay in all sorts of different ways when they've upset you? It can happen in marriages, definitely. But God paid the cost of our sin on the cross, he didn't hold it against you or against me so that when he looks at you, he doesn't see it. It says that our sins are as far as the east is from the west. Just have a little think about how far that is. And this grace, this extraordinary grace of God for you and for me is a grace without limit So I have a feeling that if I had continually taken my friend's phone on a daily basis and dropped it into the carrot cake, I might have found that there was a little limit to his grace. But remember, Jesus told Peter to forgive seventy times seven, which I had to actually, to my shame, look up on a calculator. It's 490. But It doesn't mean 490 times because the number seven in the Bible is a number for perfection. And if you add a zero in the Bible, that means infinite. So it's saying infinitely times, infinite times, God's calling forgiveness because that's how many times he will forgive us, which means his grace is enough for you. So just turn around to somebody near you and just say, his grace is enough for you. Now, just occasionally, maybe hopefully a little bit more than occasionally, you and I show grace to other people, like my friend Cookie did. We have a generous moment. But you see, God doesn't just have the odd generous, gracious moment. It's not like we have to come come to him and hope he's in a gracious mood today. He is gracious. It's the core of who God is. So when Moses came to God and asked God to show him his face and to show him who he was, God came before him and he spoke his name to Moses and he said this, the Lord, the Lord God is compassionate and gracious. It's his name. His name is grace. It's his character. And the reason I'm laboring this is because the oldest lie in the book, Satan's lie, was that God withholds And so we come to God and we think that he's going to be mean and he's going to withhold his presence from us and he's going to hold back his forgiveness from us and that we're never going to be quite good enough for him. But actually, God is gracious and that's why even when humanity rejected God, God sent his son to take my judgment, your judgment, so that we could be reconciled to him forever. And that's why I love him. That's why we love him so much. And this is what makes Christianity different to any other religion. It means that we don't have to climb up to God. You pick any other religion and you've got to climb up. But we have a God who lifts us up out of the pit We don't have to earn the way to God because he pays the way. And tonight, if you don't know this wonderful, compassionate, gracious God who gave his life for you, you can. He says to you, my grace is enough for you to give you a new start. And maybe there's one or two here who feel you've just drifted away from that grace and the Lord's just saying, will you hear my voice calling to you tonight? My grace is enough for you. I think there are probably some here who've lost sight of that grace and we can quickly get in the habit of carrying a kind of vague guilt around with us, listening to Satan's accusations, thinking nothing can change, And maybe our hearts get a bit hard. And we need reminding that Jesus would have gone to the cross just for you. Jesus went to the cross to win you forever. That's how much he wanted you. And if you feel or perhaps fear you've drifted a bit too far away, he says, my grace is enough for you. So God is always here offering grace. What do we have to do? I, I was actually in a church service recently and someone said, oh, well, we, you know, we, don't just, we don't have to do anything. We come to church, we don't have to do anything. God does it all. Actually, that's not right. We do actually have something that we have to do. We have to receive God's grace. We have to turn to him and receive his grace. Any rugby fans here, go, give me a wave. And we've got a few, few rugby fans scattered around. I have a nephew who is an absolutely fanatical rugby fan, rugby player, he's a very good rugby player. Um, and I think you might even see him in the England team one day, but I might be being a biased aunt. And I can tell you something, that if I could come to my nephew Jonah, And say to him, I can absolutely, I've got a tip that's absolutely guaranteed to make you a winner. Jonah would take it. He would really want to know it. Well, I have a tip for you that will guarantee you becoming a winner in the Christian life. Would you like to know it? It's an excellent tip and it comes from Paul the Apostle. It isn't actually my personal tip. I have got it with his authority. So this tip is now very worth listening to. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, yeah? It is better than any tip, life tip you will get from any life coach. You can spend a lot of money on life coaches, but this tip from Apostle Paul is even better. He says this in Romans chapter five. Those who reign in life, those who win in life, are those who receive the abundance of God's grace. So how good are you in life at coming to God and receiving his grace? If we don't get good at receiving his grace, we will be defeated in this Christian life. We have to get this before we can begin to move on to all the things that God is calling us to do. And he's calling us to do a lot of things in this broken world. He's got a mission for each person here that is absolutely individual to you, some really important things for you to do. But we have to begin with receiving God's Grace, daily receiving God's gracious gift of forgiveness. Otherwise, it's like trying to run a marathon with your shoes tied, tied together, honestly. We begin with God's grace. Begin with receiving his gracious gift of forgiveness, and then we need to receive his gracious gift of empowering. It's too easy to slip from relying on God to relying on other things. Just have a little think. What do you rely on? What are you leaning on? We can pick all sorts of things to lean on. Are you someone who is marked by relying on day by day, on God's empowering grace. I find this very challenging because we are in a culture that is obsessed with self and where so many of us just slip into relying on ourselves. Our culture is profoundly askew. Self has become God. We are the age of the selfie. In fact, do we have our our next slide? We've had that one, next one, brilliant. I don't know if any of you saw this Canadian woman who, whose car was actually sinking into a frozen lake and what did she do? She took a selfie. <laughs> we have become extraordinarily obsessed with ourselves. I've just finished a book by a chap called Carl Truman called The Rise of the Modern Self and it's a fascinating fascinating study on the philosophical trail that has taken us to where we are now very good podcast on the evangelical alliance website if you want to check it out but really he talks about how our idea of self in the last you know decades has changed from being based on external sources to being completely self-created So in our culture, who you are is just determined by what you think you are. And much of this is echoed again, quick book recommendation, John Mark Comer's book, Live No Lies, really good on this. Cole Truman picks up on both Freud and Marx and looks at how we've become a a culture where being authentic to myself is the morality so I think that's probably a pretty fair diagnosis of where our culture is. But what if myself is actually on the wrong track? Mark Comer again says, it's fascinating that, that the first t- term, that, that little phrase, true to myself, which is such a kind of modern catchphrase, was used as it found in Shakespeare in the mouth of Polonius the fool. We are not designed to be independent selves relying on ourselves we are created to be in the image of God each one here just look around at the people around you we're all created to be in God's image and Jesus' great plan was to restore us to his image and the only way that's going to happen is if we rely on the grace of God. Image after image in the Bible speaks of this deep dependence. Just have a little think about it. A child and parents, a body needing the head for direction, the branch and the vine. Jesus says, remain in me and you will bear much fruit. The only way to this living a fruitful life is this life of deep dependence, receiving day by day the grace of God. And this really, really matters. Just raise a hand if you are somebody who actually follows instructions when you get instructions for a flat pack or a new, new TV. How many, how many instruction followers do we have? Apparently only one in five of us actually read instructions, <laughs> which is why people like me end up getting in a mess. Well, these are really key instructions. Don't miss these instructions. God's grace is enough to empower us for life. But we really need it. We won't win at life without it. And God is confident that his grace is big enough for whatever you are facing. And I am sure in a group this big, there will be some people facing some really hard things some of you will know some people who are facing really hard things but we don't have to fear our troubles or even wait for god to remove them all because his grace is enough to make us fruitful in the midst of them i i am I had a, a just lovely thing last night. I was out with a group of friends for supper and there were a group of guys in their 50s and they were just saying, they felt a real calling that they were supposed to be supporting the younger generation. And they said, oh, I can just really remember how in the early days of our marriages, it was so tough and we just had moments, it was so hard. And one particular guy, Andy, said, yeah, I remember being up in my room at night just going, God, you're going to have to break into my marriage. You've got to help me. And he did, because we've got a God who is able to break in to the things that are really hard. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was so capable, so bright, and he was obviously brilliant, tells us that this humble dependence is the way. And that's why he became so fruitful. And he learned it the hard way. He tells us that he had a thorn in his flesh, flesh, not a literal thorn thorn but it was a messenger from satan sent to trouble him none of us know what it was but it felt like a splinter it was obviously really painful and maybe you have something in your life that feels like a painful splinter again i suspect most of us here will have something in our lives that is a painful area paul pleaded with god to remove it and god didn't he said "'My grace is sufficient for you "'because my power is made perfect in your....'" God allowed the trouble, but knew his grace was more than enough to enable Paul to handle it. In fact, this trouble would help Paul to depend more on God. Now, I want to be really careful here. Did, Paul, did God send the thorn? No. No. The thorn was a messenger from Satan. And in Genesis, we're told that Satan was only given authority in this world because humanity handed it over. And I I want to be really clear. There is much in this world that deeply grieves God. But God's purpose of blessing still wins for his people. And he can always turn what was meant for evil to good when his people lean into him. So Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And this side of heaven, God doesn't remove all of the troubles, but he gives us grace to thrive in spite of the demonic splinters and thorns of life. He promises, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness, and I remember just very shortly after Trevor died, and I was having to go. I was having had to move home. I had to start a new role, new job, and I was going into this new workplace, feeling honestly really vulnerable and broken, and just saying, "Lord, you're just going to have to work. I can't. You know, I just can't do this." And I walked in and I sat next to a girl in in um, one of the ordinance at the college I didn't know her yet and um, as we prayed I had a, a picture for her of running cones and I thought I just feel you're going to be coaching people in running and I thought well this is a bit bit bizarre but I I shared this picture thinking well you're just a bit of a runner or something and she told me she had just she was literally just setting up a new outreach group and she was literally setting out cones every day and it was a running group that that was a missional outreach group I was like how amazing here I am at my most broken and God's so deeply encouraging me and encouraging her that he knew all about her you see our Our culture thinks it's all about getting strong. It's all about us trying to feel good. And I've noticed that our church culture tends to follow that a bit. And there's a danger of us having a kind of therapeutic Christianity that is all about me and my comfort. And we start chasing well-being more than we are chasing after God. And yes, God cares so much for your well-being and yes, he's a healer, and he comes in wonderful ways to heal. God really loves you, but he knows that you will live your best life when you are not chasing after your comfort, but when you are following his command to live for him and for others And the good news, and it is such good news, you don't have to have everything sorted to do that. And I find that so encouraging. I can still be a bit broken, which I am in different areas of my life. And so are you, if you're really honest. But God comes when we lean on him and his grace can meet us and others in the most extraordinary ways, even when we're wounded healers. So, how do we receive God's forgiving and empowering grace? He is so kind that there are lots of different access points for his grace. A bit like my house has lots of taps in different rooms in the house. So I'd love you to just have a little think of times you have received God's grace. Maybe one or two of you could tell me one way you've received God's grace in the last few weeks. Anybody? So practical help from a friend. Yeah, isn't it brilliant? I have to admit in the last years I have known extraordinary help from God's church and practical help from people. How else have you received God's grace? So God sent people to help you. And it's amazing sometimes through your circumstances, God helps us. How about through his word? I just feel like daily, that's one of the main ways I receive God's grace. And it's so precious that he comes and speaks to us. And I'd encourage you to learn some verses, and then then you've just got the tap accessible. Worship tonight. (gasps) You've got something precious here. It's just wonderful to be in this place and, 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 you know, open heaven. Prayer with other people. Isn't it a precious thing when you pray with somebody else and the grace of God pours into you? And, and especially actually when you confess your sins with somebody else, it's a really precious thing. I, I know we had this hearing the voice of God uh, mourning a few uh, a couple of months ago, and Nico and some others came here, and Nico had a word for um, a complete stranger, um, who I know, who's an amazing woman, who's a missionary, uh, spent years as a missionary in India. He had no idea about this and walked up to her and said, "You know, I just have this sense that that you've got a real heart for the poor." So he was uh, totally on the money, and then had a word about a small boy, and I could—I'm not going to go into the whole story but it was so utterly extraordinary. I had a long email from her afterwards and it was related to her nephew and her, her um, sister who's not a Christian and it's had the most enormous impact. So we pray for one another, we listen to God and he pours his grace in upon our lives healing prayer Inga, my lovely friend who's come with me her her husband had um very serious form of cancer really wasn't it yeah acute myeloid leukemia and um it's a long story but he probably shouldn't be here and uh, he there was one point his inflammation markers were absolutely off the roof There was a mighty prayer meeting and an extraordinary divine healing. And, you know, I could maybe another another time we'll tell all of that story. But God just brings his grace to us in so many ways. Communion, gathering together. But the plan is that this is to be a lifestyle, not just the occasional moment. We are to be those Who daily receive the grace of God. How are you at doing that? Always, it's by faith. The theologian Maltman puts it so beautifully. What does faith do? It embraces Christ. Notice what faith doesn't do, it doesn't wrest Christ from a God who's unwilling to give. It doesn't earn Christ from a God who wants something in return. Faith isn't some strange empty work we do for God so that God will give us Christ. Faith is our hands open to receive Christ whom God has already given to us. So I'd love us to finish by receiving the grace of God. My prayer is that God will meet you tonight, but actually my longing is that out of this, this will be a way that you live. the book of Hebrews, says we are invited to the throne of grace to find grace to help us at our point of need. So tonight, what is your point of need? Where do you need to know that God's grace is enough? And honestly, if you don't think you have a point of need, I would suggest you're not living the Christian life because it's testing and it's demanding and it's risky and it's exciting. So you do need God's grace tonight.